0: what is up everybody and welcome back to the
1: active Atlanta podcast I'm here with Eric Heinz who is the director of high performance with the Atlanta track Club guys this guy is no joke when it comes to the run community he has quite the history he's won 24 team state championships. He's coached 32 individual state champions. He's coached another 21 state champion or state runner-ups, and he's got two national qualifiers under his belt. Um, He's also won 23, or he's got 23 coach of the year recognitions. This guy is a straight up badass when it comes to the running community here in Atlanta, and I'm so excited to have him on. So without further ado, Eric, what's up, my man?
2: Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Dude, I was um, doing a little bit of research on you, doing a little, uh, little creeping, if you will. And um, I found that you were from Mentor, Ohio. I had no idea. Yeah, Mentor is a,
2: a great place. And if you're from there, you call it Mentor. Uh, ah, but I yeah. <laughs> uh, so, spent all so my doing. life in Ohio until I, I moved down here. So yeah, 21 years up in Ohio, uh, between the Cleveland and Menor area.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, being from Ohio myself, I'm I'm a little bit further South than you. I'm from the Columbus area, this tiny little town called Marion, Ohio. Um, but it's always good. I'm surprised. I guess I'm not that surprised at how many people from Ohio are actually here in Atlanta. I feel like I know way more people from, Ohio here in Atlanta that I do from like Georgia <laughs> I, I
2: totally agree I, I moved here to go to grad school and I had more people from Ohio in my cohort than I had from people from Atlanta which <laughs> blew my mind I, I, I can't believe I moved you know 750 miles south to find people from like two towns over
1: <laughs> dude and it makes total sense though like uh I know you you being from way up north up in Cleveland Ohio like you got to get out of that cold man it's uh it's not even necessarily the cold as much as I would say the gray, like it's just gray nonstop. <laughs> yeah. There's no I, turning back. <laughs> no, no, I think I read this, uh, I've read this article or not this article, but like, this little thing on the weather channel that said that, um, there was more overcast days in 2019 in Ohio than there were in Seattle. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Which yeah. Is, I I just think about any day in April or
2: May where you're walking, you know, down the street and you, uh, see a pile of snow and salt still in the corner of a parking lot Mm. and you go, yeah, this can't be.
1: (laughs) Dude, I'm right there with you every time, you know, uh, both my wife and I, were both from Ohio and, you know, as, as one does, we'll get a little homesick every now and then and we'll be like, um, you know, missing our family and, uh, We get back and and we're like, man, why do we live all the way in Georgia when all of our film is up in Ohio? And then we go back to Ohio and like within two hours, like, oh, yeah, this is (laughs) why. It is because we always go around the holidays. So it's always like super cold and gross and and windy. It's the wind, man. That wind will pierce you to your soul. (laughs)
2: Oh, it's, it's absolutely brutal. And you totally yeah. change when you've lived here. You know, I remember being, you know, in high school or in college and, and running in Cleveland when it's 45 degrees out and my shirt's off. And, you know, I'm like this <laughs> tough guy, like, oh, it's sunny. You know, it's 45. <laughs> and now, as soon as it's below 60, I'm wearing gloves down here. You know, I got a couple <laughs> layers on. Uh, it, it softens you
1: down here. But this is oh. the good life. Atlanta is, is the place to be. For sure, man. You get soft real quick. Real, real quick. Um, but enough about our uh reminiscent of Ohio weather here. We um I guess you'd call it reminiscence. I don't know if that's necessarily what you want to call it, but um the reasoning for why we're both here in Georgia. But uh dude, you've done some really incredible things. Um, not just you, but but the Atlanta track club in general. It's a big, it's a big brand here in the Atlanta area, especially for the running community. I um, mean, you guys put on some huge races, like the Peachtree Road race, the Publix you know, marathon or half marathon, the Thanksgiving day, half mar- or half marathon and 5k and a ton of other things. What, I guess, what is the overall, um, how, how did you, if you don't mind going into like what, what goes behind a race, getting prepared for a race like that? And what, um, what are some of the challenges associated with that?
2: Well, there's, there's more, it goes into putting on an event like that than I never imagined. Uh, you know, having been in, in coaching for 15 years prior to coming to Atlanta track club, I put on my fair share of events. You know, I would host a cross country meet or a track meet and we might have, you know, 2000 or 2,500 people there. And, you know, you, you, felt like it was a lot, but when you get (laughs) to something like the AJC peachy road race, uh, or the Olympic trials, most recently at the end of February, uh, it'll blow your mind, uh, where you have to think about anything and, everything from yeah. how people are going to get there to uh how often you release folks in waves to where you station police officers and sort of emergency personnel even to how you distribute pies at the end of a thanksgiving day half <laughs> marathon uh, literally every thought through and i think that's really what one of our great strengths are is that eye for the detail and, yeah. you know, our goal is for our participants to not have to to think about or worry about or notice those things, uh, because we've already thought that through. Uh, and I've been, I'm thoroughly impressed, you know, so we have around 30 employees. Um, and while we all support the events, uh, we do have, you know, 10 or so whose you know, full-time existence is in the planning and execution of those events, yeah. but, uh, you know, one thing I will say is we, we can't put on any of those events if it wasn't for our volunteers. And if you look at something like the AJC Peachtree Road Race, you know, we will have thousands of volunteers. And, and when I say that, I mean, we have literally three to five thousand people who will come out and help an event like that. And that's what awesome. blows me away. And, and I think it's it's a testament to the people who live in Atlanta and the relationship that they have formed with our organization, because many of our volunteers have been doing it for 20 or 30 years and they'll keep coming back knowing that 4th of July or Thanksgiving or whatever it happens to be, they're going to spend that day with Atlanta track club. Uh, So the, the keen eye of the staff and, and really the commitment of the volunteers, what goes into making these events a success.
1: Dude, that's huge. I remember. So for one of my, um, I guess you can call it like, so we, I took this class. It was an interesting class in undergrad, uh, clear back in undergrad. It was like my senior year. So I'm an exercise physiology major. And we had to put on like, a uh, we had to create a 5k from the ground up essentially. And, uh, there was 60 something of us in that class and it took us an entire semester just to plan us a little 5k in Bowling Green. And the amount of work that went behind that was unreal little things that you would have no idea would take that much effort. Like, Mapping out, or I mean, that mapping out, of course, that's kind of a big one, but, <laughs> but like, yeah, exactly. How do you hand out the t shirts? What do you do with the people when they get done with the race? How do they get their bananas? Things like that is, uh, it's, it's nitty gritty details that if you don't have an eye for, if you don't pay attention to, you're just, it's just gonna not make the experience what you would anticipate it to be with an event like the AGC uh, Publics there, or Peachtree, excuse me.
2: That's absolutely right. And, and if a participant doesn't leave with a positive feeling and a positive experience as a whole, you know, it really hurts either your your brand as an organization or your cause if you're another nonprofit working to put on that event. Because uh, the last thing you want is a person associating your event, whether it is, you know, raising money for a school or for childhood cancer or you name it. With this negative feeling of there not being enough bananas, or uh, right. you know they ran out of water, or uh, I had to wait in line for the Portageon because there wasn't enough of them, you know yeah. all those little things. And that's one of the reasons why we will start the process for the next year's event three hundred and sixty-four days out. You know, so yeah. we we give ourselves twelve to twenty-four hours to kind of celebrate and <laughs> sit back and say, wow, that was awesome. Uh, but yeah. then, you know, you're, you're embarking on securing permits and, and getting city approval and, and planning and, and securing your, your police officers and the like. Uh, it's a, a never
1: ending process. For sure. And dude, I, you know, I've got to ask with the recent news of you guys canceling the, or having to cancel the, um, the, the Peachtree road race after putting so much planning and effort behind them, how do you guys. What's kind of like the thought process there? Obviously, uh, I know, I know for a fact that you guys just by demonstrating, but with your actions, like human safety is object number one, there, objective number one there. Um, but then what are some of the like decision making processes in terms of like, all right, we need to move this marathon and when do we pick the day of when to move it to and how, what are we going to do for the people that already signed up and, and how are we going to just make that transition as smooth as possible?
2: Yeah, I, I totally understand uh, the perception from the outside that it, it's an incredible undertaking, and you're absolutely right. It was a, a month long process to postpone the AJC Peachtree Road Race. The yeah. the AJC Peachtree Road Race will still happen. Uh, it's going to happen on November 26th. So I want to be clear on that. It is not canceled. It is postponed, uh, but it is <laughs> it is a it's a tradition. You know of something that has occurred for 50 years in a row. Yeah. Uh, so you have, you you have all of that weight and inertia behind it. And uh, for us, we wanted to make sure, as you said, that we could ensure that our participants would be safe. And right. these are different times that we're all living in right now, and the uncertainty uh, was just too much. And for us, it made sense to postpone it because the peace tree is really about family. It's about fun. Um, the fact is the track club as a whole is governed by what we call the three C's, community, camaraderie, and competition. And the AJCP Street Road Race embodies all of those things. For sure. And so for us, we needed to find another time to be able to live out those values. And Thanksgiving Day made the most sense. It is the number one running holiday and walking holiday in the country. More people yeah. uh, complete races that day than any other race. And 4th of July is the second most popular. Huh. Uh, and so for us, it, it, well, I want to say it was a no-brainer because it was a very thorough process that we went through. But we had to consider everything from – our our local businesses and sponsors and partners and what they would be dealing with. And if you think about, you know, most days in the fall, those businesses are going to be open and trying to recover from this time period. Uh, Thanksgiving, they are not. Um, We don't want to, we didn't want to consider a lot of Sundays because of all the churches that will be, uh, you know, holding services on Sundays. Uh, We would, we would hate to say, Hey, churches, you know, you you haven't been able to have in-person services for the last two or three months. Uh, here's another example where you won't be able to do that. So as you go through, and then you also realize just how busy Atlanta is in the fall. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you don't want to step on the toes of, of everything from Dragon Con to the Pride Festival to college mm-hmm. football. You know, there's a lot happening. You know, so when we considered all of these things, and we recognize, you know, that we also already had an event on Thanksgiving Day, and made yeah. sense because Thanksgiving is a time of family. It's a time of community. It's a time of coming together,
1: um, and and that is what Peace Tree is all about. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. I think uh, I had no first of all, I had no idea that the second busiest busiest running day was, was July Fourth. Um, I guess that makes sense though. But um, I think just a level of depth you guys went through to. Pick the right day. Like thinking of every avenue, you could dive down the rabbit hole, and it'd be damn near impossible to even pick a date at that point. Where okay, well, what about the churches that we don't want to? You know, we don't want to. We want to be uh, cognizant of the struggle that everybody's gone through in this process, not just us. And then how do we involve ourselves in the community for it to be a positive in, uh, influence versus taken away from somebody? I think that just goes hand in hand with what with what you guys what you guys's mission is and, and what your guys's core values are. Um, so that's awesome. Now on top of on top of all the all the annual races that you guys put on especially like 50 years of history i didn't realize the race had been around for that long so that's awesome but um what was what's the difference in challenge from going from planning an event like that to attracting and hosting something like the olympic trials
2: the olympic trials was one of my proudest days of my professional career okay. and also one of the most challenging weekends <laughs> of my professional career. I bet. Uh, T- tend to go hand in hand. Yeah. It, it, it was a weekend to remember to say the least. Um, so the, I will say first a little bit of history. So as you mentioned, the agency PC road race has been around for 50 years. The track club as a whole has been around since 1964 and Atlanta track clubs, uh, uh sort of first event we hosted was a high school awards banquet for local cross country runners and then track and field athletes to honor and acknowledge them. And that's something that we've never gotten away from. And that's really how I became most connected with Atlanta track club with my time as a coach. So there's always been this sort of side of Atlanta track club that is catering towards honoring and acknowledging the very pinnacle of our sport while Mm -hmm. also trying to include all of those people who run and walk and love this activity um, of, of competing, uh, like things like the HSEP Street Road Race. So the, the Olympic trials is the pinnacle of sport for so many. I mean, it is just one step below the Olympics. Yes. And when you think about the hundreds and hundreds of people who qualified, this was their Olympics. So for us, we wanted to put on an Olympic trials like no one else ever had. And mm-hmm. that meant when we bid to host the trials, uh, because you have to apply for this through uh, both the USOC, the uh, United States Olympic Committee, and USATF, uh, United States uh, America Track and, Track and Field Association, which are the two governing bodies here. Um, we really meant to provide a top notch experience for every participant, whether you were the person that was the you know, bona fide favorite to, to make it or if you were the last qualifier in, we wanted those folks all be treated equally and be treated fairly. We wanted to include the community in ways we never had before. And that meant in our bid, we included that we would reach out and engage with nonprofits, with community organizations, with high schools, with youth track and field and cross country programs, really with the the largest number of folks possible. And we promised to make it a spectacle, uh, which it ultimately was. Uh, yeah. I have never seen the running and walking communities come out the way they had that weekend. Uh, and, and I found myself on Cloud Nine uh, for days uh, afterwards because it was yeah. just a remarkable experience. Uh, it was incredible hard work, um, you know, because we, we highlighted everything from uh, youth and high school athletes there was actually a four by one mile relay that finished on the olympic trials finish line that saturday morning before the trials Mm -hmm. we hosted an an, uh a pro-am competition with professional shot putters including the 2016 olympic gold medalist ryan krauser uh, and professional high jumpers with high school athletes, where they were paired and had the opportunity to compete together. And then, of course, the next day after the trials, we utilized elements of the course, including the finish line, for the Publix Atlanta Marathon and Half Marathon. So the citizen runner had the opportunity to complete you know, an event on the same exact finish line. It, it was awesome. nothing short of remarkable, uh, yeah. and really just three days of, of celebration of the sport. Yeah, dude,
1: that's, that's awesome. What, uh, so what were some, I guess what were some of the biggest challenges that you guys had to face? Cause I mean, obviously you had to put in a ton of work to get Atlanta to be selected. So what were some of the, what were some of the competing cities I guess we were up against and how did you convince the governing bodies to say, no, Atlanta is the best spot for it? Uh, Chattanooga was, uh, competing
2: against us and I believe also Orlando. Um, and in, in both those situations, we had the promise of a, large city so the potential to bring out larger crowds we yeah. included in our bid that equity piece that all of our participants would be treated the same and our promise to engage with the community like none others before so all yeah. those things really helped to separate us from the other competing cities who i'm confident we would have done a great job but uh, I, I know that we gave a one-of-a-kind experience uh, to those folks but the yeah. challenges we faced were really unprecedented, uh, and that the biggest challenge came from the number of qualifiers, of which we were nearly triple the amount of the largest uh, Olympic trials in history. Mm-hmm. And one of our equity pieces that we promised was, you know, hotel rooms and meals for for all the folks. So there's that financial consideration, but also yeah. some of the logistical things, such as we promised every contestant, every competitor, uh, their own personal hydration station, essentially their own personal fluids, which is when you oh. see the elite athletes go by and they grab a water bottle. It's their own bottle of their own mix, whether it's Powerade or, you know, they might you know, years ago it used to be deflated or flat Coke. You know, now people <laughs> have all kinds of different. Um, sort of mixtures and tinctures that they use. Uh, yeah. But we had to provide that for 700 participants, which is a half mile worth of tables if you're going to plan these tables out so that there weren't traffic jams. You know, yeah. So we had two or three people focused almost exclusively on designing uh, these personal hydration stations. And additionally, the large number of, of competitors also meant that... Uh, there was a greater likelihood of some competitors being lapped, so halfway through our process, we actually had to redesign the course from a four loop course to a three loop course to prevent some of the lappings uh, because the way our projections and we ran historical both historical data and projected data through some uh, some modeling, uh, and we recognized that there was going to be a point where the female competitors would be doing a a hairpin 180 degree turn while the lead men including the pace car, the camera cars and everything else would be trying to pass them. And it was a recipe for just a very dangerous situation. So yeah. we took a course that we had advertised that we had run previews on. We had competitors already come and, and check out and, and run the course. And we had to seek approval and certification for that course halfway through the process. Uh, it, it, you know, challenges that we never anticipated. Um, you know, so it, it, and then of course, how do we use all of that infrastructure for that public's Atlanta marathon and half marathon the very next day? You know, so the the logistics that went into it were second
1: to none. Uh, and
2: uh, certainly one of the proudest days of the Atlanta track club.
1: Yeah, dude, that, uh, I, I know it went off with, I mean, I'm sure it didn't go off without a hitch, but to most, for to you guys, but for the, for the general public, like, dude, it went, people loved it. We work with a number of runners in the Atlanta community and I, I can't tell you how many people we had that came to us and they were just volunteers and talk about what a blast they had. I mean, I had, I remember I had one patient, she was talking about how uh, her feet were killer now because she was, you know, standing like all weekend essentially, <laughs> but she would not have traded to the weekend for a world and she was truly awestruck at, at the, um, at, at not just the, the fluidity of how well everything went, but then the opportunity to be so up close and personal with, with world-class athletes and to know that they, that those are who she was aspiring to. And it's kind of like motivating her to continue with her running journey and everything. And I know she's not alone in that thought process. And, um, so I think, I think the, the ability that you guys have to kind of, uh, um, attract or, 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 um, nurture elite level athletes in a way that motivates and drives the sport for all age groups and all, and all skill levels is truly impressive.
2: You're, you're speaking directly to our core vision and mission, which is to, you know, inspire Atlanta to be healthier through running and walking. And we believe in the power of sport to be transformative in people's lives. I I will speak for myself and for the organization when I say that we truly believe that those folks at the highest level of the sport can sort of touch and and inspire those folks to continue their own journeys wherever they happen to be along that. And your story is, is totally representative of that. It's the same reason why we have an Olympic development team Uh, one of which we have around 20 professional athletes. And those athletes, we're we're supporting and and pushing them to reach their goals, hopefully to become Olympians themselves. Uh, But we also use them with our youth programming to help inspire the next generation, the youngest, to get active and get moving. Because we believe, just like... That kid in the driveway is, is imagining LeBron James, or I used to think of Michael Jordan. I'm a little yeah. bit older than folks uh, <laughs> out there playing one-on-one with them. We want our youth to think of being in that Olympic trials, of being there alongside Atlanta track clubs, Olympic development athletes uh, competing at the highest level. Because yeah. even if they fall short, we will have established routines and habits that will stick with them. Because this is a lifelong activity that people can engage in, a lifelong sport. And that's one of the reasons why, of course, we also even have competitive master's teams and competitive youth teams. So whether you are 11 years old or whether you are 81 years old, we have competitive teams for folks who want to continue to pursue the sport at a high level. And uh, I think some of those folks, we actually have a woman in her early 90s who has set several age group world records. You see her compete, you can't help but feel amazing. And you can't help but feel like you need to go out there and get your shoes on and start training harder because gosh knows if she's doing it, you can do it. And and that is what's so powerful about these images. And as you said, the Olympic trials are going to stick with all of those folks uh, who were there to witness it. And we had uh, well over 30 high school teams. These were cross country and track and field teams out there on the course cheering. And they had adopted athletes uh, whom they had the opportunity to to correspond with via social media, and they were able to cheer for those athletes, those folks leave that day believing they could be in those runner 's shoes and yeah. that 's what this organization is all about that
1: 's that 's powerful stuff, man I think uh, running is such is such a unique sport in that it 's for a lot of people running. Yes, it's definitely a way to move. It's a way for them to, to scratch their competitive itch. Um, it's a way for, it's, it's a, it's a motivating factor for them to continuously get better. But man, also running is more than anything else really in the world. Uh, it's, it's a way for people to get mental clarity It's a way for people to handle the stress of everyday life. It's the way for, um, uh, for people not to especially right now with all the parents trying to uh, homeschool their kids on top of get their jobs or their job in, it's a way for them to get their own like a little me time in um, I think that there's a lot of other aspects into running that make running such an important thing for people more so than just a sport and, and being competitive in something there's definitely that aspect but I think it's super unique that running can do that more than just about anything else. And, and total transparency, running is not my, my primary motive of exercise. I'm more in the strength training and weight world and weight room world, but I do love to run. I think there, I think it holds a special place and in, in a lot of athletes lives where that is their one way to get some easy mental clarity or just, or just, um, improvement of themselves and in, in a very, um, time poor, uh, culture, I guess you can say, um, Sorry, totally go ahead. I totally agree. I I totally agree with
2: you. I I know that I'm a better father, a better husband, and a better employee after I have a chance to to run or walk, uh, because yeah. of the clarity that it provides. And you know, in these times, you know, of COVID right now, it's one of the few certainties that people have, which is this opportunity to know. You know, at 7.30 this morning, I know I'm going to be able to get my run or walk in when I don't yeah. know much of anything else that's happening. And, you know, Atlanta Track Club, again, is is proud to act as a resource and as um, an organization to help support people through this time. I love that you mentioned, you know, <laughs> parents with the challenges of homeschooling kids. I have three boys <laughs> at home myself. Uh, <laughs> and one of the things that, we're doing as a track club is we know that kids can't go out and and run four miles now some might but most aren't going to be able to and we have a we have a website that we've created called the distance it's uh, the distance.atlantatrackclub.org and on there we have uh, a growing list of uh, activities and games for families to do That basically is hidden exercise. Now, Ah. I hope that no 10-year-olds are listening to your podcast. Uh, (laughs) Now, if they are, that's great, because I I don't want them to know the secret. But, you know, we are providing opportunities for kids to play what seems to be a game. It's going to be a ton of fun. But it's a chance for them to go do 20 or 30 minutes of exercise. And guess what? those kids are better at doing their digital learning afterwards. Those kids have fewer challenges being stuck in the home or in their apartment afterwards. You know, it really gives them a chance to get their wiggles out, and then it makes the rest of the day that much easier. And we do the same thing with a lot of our youth programming. We have a program called the Kilometer Kids, and Kilometer Kids is our oldest uh, sort of flagship youth program. And we have upwards of 6,000 kids in the Atlanta area every year who engage in it. And it is a game-based running curriculum that they participate in as part of a team at a school or at a community center or a YMCA. And it's the same thing. We're trying to get kids to fall in love with movement because that will transform into a lifelong love of exercise. And just like sometimes you got to hide, you know, broccoli with like a sweet salad <laughs> dressing, or like my wife actually makes brownies with sweet potatoes in it. And like, these uh, things. sometimes you got to hide exercise in the middle of a game for kids. And for the next sure. thing you know, they're going to be doing strength training, or they're going to want to do running or walking or other games and activities. Yeah. Uh, And we got
1: them moving. So it's how you, how you trick them into it. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) I love it. Now you guys do a ton of things. I mean, you just mentioned a ton of really good resources that we will undoubtedly link in our show notes here, but um, you guys do a lot more than just offer uh, road races and Olympic trials. What, what are some other things that you guys, um, offer? I mean, you've talked about some training programs. Um, what, what are there, are there any ways that you guys um, do any type of like charity charitable events or, or charity t- driven things, um, for the Atlanta area, or what are some other ways that you guys really try to stay engaged with Atlanta outside of running?
2: Right so it's important to to note that Atlanta Track Club is a nonprofit a 501c3 nonprofit so we are ourselves a charitable organization so all of our all of our income and revenue goes towards serving our mission and our vision of making Atlanta uh, more active through running and walking and, uh, you know, so we have a, a sort of two categories. We have the things we're doing right now in the time of COVID, and we have the bigger category of the things that we do as a whole. And you mentioned our big events, you know, everything from AJCP Road Race, Public Land and Marathon, the PNC 10-Miler, the Invesco QQQ, Thanksgiving Day Half Marathon. Those events, you know, we, we – bring in you know, thousands of people together to have an incredible experience. But even in, within those events, we have uh, cheer zones that sponsor other local organizations. So for example, say back on my feet, which is a, um, a partner of ours that we work with oftentimes, you know, they will bring uh, both uh, participants and, and and supporters of their organization say to the the sixth mile marker of the half Thanksgiving Day half marathon, and you know as a result of their cheering supporting of the participants, that organization will receive. Uh, uh, a, a charitable donation from us as a result. Uh, as, as I mentioned with the kilometer kids program, that is a free to all program. There is no cost associated with it. So if you wanted wow. to start a program tomorrow at your local YMCA, your local neighborhood association at your local school, you could re- to kilometer kids atlantatrackclub.org and we can get you started. Uh, and we have you know, upwards of 30 to 50 teams per season. And we typically operate with a fall season and a spring season. We provide incentives um, for those programs. We also have uh, an entire youth running calendar, uh, which has um, usually around 12 totally free events for kids to be able to participate in, um, and, and so they can get active and get their first taste of running and racing. We have a, uh, an all-comers track and field series, which is usually free for all uh, to go and participate in. If you're a member of Atlanta Track Club, of which there are 34,000 members, uh, you do get to participate in the Grand Prix, which is a series of seven to eight events every year for free with events ranging from 5K all the way up to a 12K. We have a partnership with uh, the uh, Department of Juvenile Justice in which we provide some training and some equipment for juvenile offenders to help bring them uh, out of their time uh, and to lower their uh, recidivism rates. Uh, Essentially, we know that through the power of exercise and sport uh, that these, uh, these young people are less likely to commit crimes once more. We worked closely with the Police Athletic League uh, to work on developing recreational teams for young folks. Uh, we offer scholarships and sponsors, or not partnerships, uh, scholarships, sorry, for yeah. our young people who can't afford to be on our competitive teams. Um, I just worked closely with uh, the YMCA of Atlanta, in which we're providing a free four-week training program for families. Uh, and young kids to do their own first 5k Uh, one of that I'm most proud of we have a partnership with Atlanta Public Schools uh, both uh, at the elementary level middle school level and and mostly at the high school level to try to elevate their cross-country and track-of-field programs by providing professional development for coaches enhancing their own cross-country meet series and providing other areas of support In the area of of training programs, this is another area that I'm intimately involved with. We have adult programming that we call in-training. The largest and most popular is our in-training for Peachtree program, but we also have a fall marathon and half marathon program. We have an in-training for Publix program. And this is an adult program for everyone from beginners to high-caliber, high-performing athletes. Um, and it's an incredibly reasonable program, usually uh, anywhere between 60 and $150, depending on how large, um, how long the program is. Uh, and you are part of a cohort of athletes who goes through, you know, anywhere between a, an 11 and 14 week program. Uh, in which, you know, not in the time of COVID, we'll need on Saturday mornings uh, to have a supported long run with, uh, with, with pace leads, what we call uh, run leads. We also offer various locations around the city on Wednesday nights for those uh, participants to also engage in some interval training as part of that program. Now, in the time of COVID, we're offering those same programs virtually right now. Uh, yeah. so Folks can have the opportunity to train at home and still get the same quality of training. Now, our head coach for that program is Amy Bagley. Uh, She is a 2008 Olympian in the 10,000 meters. There are not many people who can claim to have an Olympian as their coach uh, for their neighborhood 10K program. It's really a pretty amazing situation. And we had more than 1,500 people go through that program in 2019. So we're incredibly awesome. proud of that. Yeah. But as a member, there's even more that goes with that. You know, we have quarterly social events. Um, we had essentially a barbecue and a day at the Atlanta United last year. We did the same for the Braves uh, and some we, we had a Halloween run and day. We have weekly group runs when not in the time of COVID uh, <laughs> around various locations on the Beltline. Um, and and a whole bunch of other programs that we engage in and and partnerships that we have. You know, so when, when people think of us, they immediately just so AJCP street road race, uh, you know, world's largest 10 K and I understand that because it is so deeply entwined with our, with our existence. But we have really grown beyond that uh, particularly in the last 20 years to be You know, a a be-all, end-all health and fitness organization. In fact, if you are not even running and walking, if if you're not into that, we have... Free live classes that anyone can sign up for Monday through Friday. So if you want to go do plyometrics, we got you on. I think it's Tuesday mornings. If you want to do some high intensity interval training, we got you on Fridays. You know if you want to do some at home strength training, we got you on Mondays. You know if you want to do a core session with uh, Coach Amy Bagley, we got you on Wednesdays. You know those things can all be found. You know at thedistance.atlantatrackclub.org, and you know in particular my department, the high performance department, we have our own mission, which is to be the trusted resource for all things related to training and health and wellness here in the Atlanta area. And in the time of of COVID, that means we as an organization need to commit to being that resource for folks who are looking for answers. And that website has so much of those resources for folks. Uh, yeah. We have information on injuries, informations on, on form for runners and walkers, how to deal with hydration and heat for your training if you're just starting to get moving now in, in May as it gets warmer. We have a, a, a free beginners 5K program broken down by week. Um, even, you know, your, your basic safety procedures for running or walking in the time of COVID. So check out that website if you get a chance. Uh, it's the thedistance.atlantatrackclub.org. It's a, a great opportunity for people to, to get a taste of what Atlanta Track Club does, but really for people to get the answers that they seek during this difficult time.
1: Yeah, man, dude, you guys are doing so many... Um, you guys are so intertwined with the Atlanta community that I don't think people realize just how intertwined you are and how instrumental you guys are for the the health and wellness scene for atlanta i know i certainly didn't know everything that you guys are doing i mean you guys have your fingers in every almost every aspect of of training and i know close to my heart i saw that you're director of of high performance and i I desperately want to get into some training uh conversation with you because that is that's my background as a strength coach and physical therapist um, but I want to be super respectful of your time. I know you got three little ones at home, and it's towards the end of the day, so um, we'll, we'll go ahead and save that for a second podcast here. Um, but um, in the meantime, man, what are, what are, you you mentioned a couple of resources? If somebody wanted just to know, like, how can they get a hold of the Atlanta Track Club? What are some good websites? Is there are you guys active on social media? What's some good ways that they can reach out to you guys with more questions if they have them?
2: Right. So primarily uh, www.atlantatrackclub.org. That's our main resource. And you can link to all of our social media from there. Uh, We live on Facebook, on Instagram. We're on Strava. Uh, We are also on Twitter and we also have accounts for our elite programs. So our Olympic development team and our master's team and youth team on, on, um, instagram and twitter as well so if you want to find us there and then of course the distance which is a resource for all things in this time of covid uh, we are yeah. very active on on instagram as you said we just did a some instagram live interviews with the olympic trials qualifiers uh, who are going to be going to tokyo in 2021 uh, just last week and you'll find other interviews like that uh, coming
1: up in the near future as well Awesome. Awesome. Eric, man, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. You've been an awesome resource and I'm, I'm sure everybody got a ton of value out of this. So, um, man, enjoy the rest of your day and we'll cut, we'll connect soon. You got it. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, man.
0: Hey, thanks so much for listening to the podcast today. If you want to find out more about our guests or about athletes potential and how we can help you continue to be active and pain-free in life, head over to athletespotential.com to learn more.